Protecting the environment is an issue for everybody. The air we breathe, the water we drink, these are issues that none of us can escape. But low-income people often bear the brunt of environmental problems. They can't afford to live in neighborhoods that have the most trees or most plentiful parks or afford the food that's grown organically. Oftentimes, the image of the modern environmental movement isn't super diverse. It's sometimes seen as a cause led mostly by white people. In this story, reporters Kyungjin Lee and Zoe Sullivan of Making Contact Radio narrate the story of African-Americans working for environmental justice in Wisconsin, aiming to make healthy food and positive communities available to everyone. What a worm gas is made out of. Poop. That's the scoop. If you close your eyes and picture an American farmer, what color is their skin? How about a city dweller? If the media and our popular culture are any guide, that farmer is probably white, and the urban person may be black. It's ironic because until the Great Migration in the first half of the 20th century, most African Americans lived their entire lives on farms. But when millions of blacks headed north, they settled in the cities where there was work to be found. In largely rural Wisconsin, the state's Department of Agriculture says, out of more than 73,000 farms in operation, only 63 are owned by African Americans. But a few of those remaining black farmers are trying to reconnect the black community with their not-so-distant past and help improve the community's health in the process. From Madison, Zoe Sullivan has the story. We're at the Boys and Girls Club on Madison's south side, a neighborhood with large African-American and Latino populations. Robert Pierce is a Madison native. He's one of only a handful of black farmers in the state. Pierce is tall and barrel-chested. He has a good-natured laugh, but he's serious about his passion for organic farming and community empowerment. Pierce is working with the Boys and Girls Club to teach farming practices to local youth of color. You know, we're not only teaching people how to, how to grow food, teaching them how to cook, how to prepare, because it's not just good enough to know how to eat it, you gotta learn how to cook it right. You know, because the bottom line is, if you eat good from the beginning, down the road, it would be better for you in the end here that you may not suffer all the other you know, ailments of diabetes and heart attacks and heart failures and all these other things if you eat right from the beginning. So we need to start teaching kids how to eat right from the beginning, you know? My thing is, you can't teach an old dog no tricks. So get to the puppies, you know, teach the puppies. Pierce's own family has been in Madison since the 1930s and helped establish one of the city's prominent black churches. Even in the city, though, Pierce was drawn to the land. We always put gardens in, you know, we always had big, huge gardens. My grandmother was that way, we had to have these huge gardens. And it was like a time when she would, you know, tell us everything about the families and stuff like that. So it was always that time of uh, hanging out in the garden with grandma so you could learn more about the family. The farmer's markets Pierce runs are important nexuses for the community. Pierce's daughter, Shelley, was running an early spring market on the Park Street thoroughfare. This community over here, it's known as a food desert. All of our markets are placed in food deserts where there's a lot of like, gas stations, but they're not actual, like, good local good food that you can get and, um, you know, and not have to pay so much for it. Pierce explains that area residents find more at the market than just good food. 
they usually sometimes come and sit for a very long time <laughs> and just chit chat with us, which is we we appreciate that at, you know at all given times. But um, they we see that they it kind of lights their day up, especially when it gets warm. That they can just walk out, sit, eat an apple, eat a you know eat some watermelon right here with us. And sometimes we have you know music, and so it's kind of like a way for them to kind of get out and not have to deal with whatever they're going through at home. Wisconsin has one of the highest incarceration rates of African Americans in the country. Professor Pam Oliver of the University of Wisconsin-Madison reported 47 percent of African American males in Wisconsin between the ages of 25 and 29 were either in prison or on parole in 2006. A Wisconsin Office of Justice Assistant study showed African Americans were arrested at roughly 11 times the rate of whites for violent crimes in 2008. In this context, Pierce's work takes on greater significance. He's been running a farmer's market on the south side of Madison for eight years. He trains about a dozen youth each year and serves almost 100 people daily in each of his five markets. In spite of his efforts to promote self-sufficiency and positive living, Pierce has been challenged. And so uh, I get here and the guy, uh, the building's surrounded. And they go, uh, you, got two, uh, you have two, two uh, offices in there. Yeah. And uh, I said, well, we want to look at him. I said, for what? He says, uh, we believe you're dealing drugs. And I said, so this is uh, 2010. We have a black president. And I just had dinner with Michael Pollan, and I'm a drug dealer. Oh, okay. So they concluded that I wasn't a drug dealer by the time they were finished, and all I had was a bunch of vegetables. Pierce says he hasn't been bothered since, but it wasn't the first time something like this happened. Even if he's not being harassed, though, others are. Will Allen, another black farmer in Milwaukee, founded Growing Power, a national food justice organization that's become a model for urban agriculture. Like Pierce, he started in a low-income African-American community plagued with problems. Here, interns at Growing Power headquarters in Milwaukee are throwing trays of shoots into a compost bin. <laughs> on the day I visited, Alan is out at another site, but there's plenty of activity going on. Javier Vasquez is an intern at Growing Power. These are pea shoots, and the other ones are sunflower sprouts, and we divide them up because of the rate of decomposition. So and, um, if you want to even smell the soil and check what is ready and what is not, and if you smell like that manure smell to it, it means it's not ready, but someone pulled it anyways. So they're bad, but we sell the pea shoots and uh, the sunflower sprouts, and this is the byproduct. Instead of you know throwing it away or putting it in compost pile, we actually reuse it, and the soil is even more fertile than it was before. Vasquez's family owns a 40-acre farm not far from Milwaukee. The urban agriculture experience is a way for him to learn new techniques. He's not the only one who's come for this reason. On the day of my visit. A group of fellows from Kenya and Uganda are wrapping up an educational stay with Growing Power. Paris Mogo is an agricultural extension officer in Nairobi. She supports farmers as they learn and adopt new methods. We met in one of the greenhouses where a hydroponic system is in place. I ask Mogo if what she's learned will be useful in Kenya. Very useful because I only need to adapt the same system into our condition. We may not be able to do it in the sophisticated way it's done, 
but the principles behind it can be applied in our environment. Yes, I intend to start farming from my household. I've seen you don't require land, you only require space to grow food. On top of the concrete, you can grow food in trays and harvest the food from your kitchen. It can be done. It will be done. I want to start from my house, as I extend to other farmers. Since the Back to the Land movement in the 60s and 70s, growing one's own food has become popular in cities. Pierce and Allen's work building social equity through a core state industry, farming, is modeling a more sustainable lifestyle for urban dwellers. They're extending the health and self-sufficiency of urban populations of color who have less access to resources than the flower children did. For Making Contact, this is Zoe Sullivan. That was Kyung Jin Lee and Zoe Sullivan of Making Contact. If you haven't heard Making Contact, I recommend you check them out. They're an independent nonprofit that's committed to investigative journalism and radio. They do all sorts of interesting audio journalism projects. I listen to their stories personally all the time at radioproject.org. <laughs> 